Blog Talk Radio. This is all about wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235 and let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646 727 3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. There you go. Wow. 214,000 of you uh, listening to us uh, since the beginning. Thank you very much. I appreciate wow. that. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, that, yeah, that's awesome. That is amazing. And big, um, I thought I'd throw in some, what was the other stat I had? I had something else that um, 427 episodes uh, so far. So 427 episodes, and we view, we've had 485 hours on here. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, 485. So. I think, you know, I'm glad we did them. I wouldn't want them to be spent any other way. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, thank you for what? spending your time for the next hour or so. Um, Ron is uh, here. Thursday. He sounds like he's, not, he's not under the weather or anything like that, even though he probably could be because it's uh, freezing outside, or it was. It was. Yeah. Because we were, I don't know if you guys get the same cold that we get in Central Florida. Because you're you're closer to the water, right? You're like on the Gulf. A little bit closer, you, a little uh, bit warmer, but not not by much. Yeah. <laughs> not by much. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, feels I feels went, like temperature, which is what I go by, is uh, 46 here. So yeah, the feels like temperature. I don't know. I got up and got the paper this morning, and I don't know what the feels like was. It felt like it was like five below. Uh, to me, but the wind was blowing, and which you know makes it colder. And the actual temperature was 47, but mm. with the wind blowing at 12 miles an hour or something like that, it feels like probably oh, dropped down. So I guess it felt like five below or something. Uh, oh, it was. Which we and, uh, had yeah. yeah, I had things I had to do today. Went out and had to pull the jeans on. No shorts today. Wow, you know, that's. That's a hard thing to have to cope with. Now, but, would you would you go golfing in this weather? Because you you golfed. Would you golf? In would I? Yeah. Of, well, I have before. I've been golfing when it's been this cold. In fact, wow. uh, back at the beginning of December, I went golfing, and it was cold and windy, and uh, it, uh, it it tends to be not fun. And you know, and the thing is, though, people come down from up north, and it gets to be forty-seven degrees, and they go, "Oh my gosh, that's great!" And they, you know, and they go out yeah. there wearing shorts and they're playing golf, you know, because yeah. it's twenty below up there. Uh, right. Not me. I mean, it gets down to that temperature. That's just way too cold. So I try to cut back on it this time of year. Besides that, with all the snowbirds down here, prices go up, and so I don't want to. You know, competing with all the all the snowbirds and everything. So I figured it's best just to 
you know, don't golf too much this time of year. I'll start golfing in probably in about a well, if I can find a good deal, I might go out. But otherwise, it's it's cold. Or next week when it warms up to the mid seventies again, I'll mm-hmm. try to get a, a maybe winter, try to a find around. Yeah, it, it very much so. Yes, yes, it, it is fleeting, and uh, you, you know this is our this is our winter here. And yeah, you know, when when it, well, I think February the twelfth is it, or February the fifteenth. The spring training baseball catchers and pitchers show up, you know. So mm-hmm. when the boys of summer, yeah, show up on mm-hmm. February the fifteenth, you know that it has to be summer because they don't call <laughs> yeah. them the boys of winter. So you know, right? You know, so yeah. it's uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's warming up then. Now. Yes, we do get the uh, yeah. we do get the low temperature, but it doesn't last like it does up north and. Uh, so we'll be back in the in the mid to upper seventies easily, maybe eighty again. Who knows this month? But uh, who knows? You know, it'll be it, up there again. It's, it's fleeting. This is fleeting. Still doesn't mean that it's not any you know bone chilling cold, uh, less cold for us because right. you know this is it's bone chilling cold, but yeah. it is fleeting, so we can live yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's contemporary. Uh, let's yes. see. Also, uh, the intro says to call the phone number, but uh, please do not call the phone number, the 646 number. You can uh, go to the website, allaboutwinebtr.com, and click on the uh, chat now button. Or Yeah, I think it says chat now. I forgot what it was. I just looked at it, too. And But anyway, just mm. do that, and it's all text. You don't have to call the number, and I don't have to screen you. Um, and then cut you off when you do something stupid. But uh, you can, you can and you say something stupid. Pose it. Yes, yes, and yeah. Always have to be on guard yeah. when I have something on there. But uh, so yeah, we're, we're yeah, switching yeah. into uh, to a text chat. Just go to the website, allaboutwinebtr.com, and look for the. It's www. You know, I tried that from a cell phone the other day. Somebody at work was I was talking to about the show, and we tried that without the www in it. I don't know where it went, but it didn't go to all about wine BTR. Oh. So, uh, so put oh, the wow. w, the three W's before that dot all about wine BTR.com. And right there on the, on the main page, there's uh, it's on the right side and it's on the first story there. We'll say uh, uh chat live or chat now or something. And, and I was just on it five seconds ago, five minutes ago. There you go. But my short term, um, anyway, whatever it's called, uh, <laughs> escapes me now. <laughs> What was that now? Memory loss. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, January the 10th, and welcome to All About Wine. And Ron, of course, is here. And uh, we got some uh, good information for you tonight, uh, a topic uh, which was uh, posted on the uh, show information. So uh, we'll get on with that. And um and other sure stuff. you have other things besides that. Yeah, there's other stuff. So, uh, yeah. yeah, stay tuned. And here we go. If you're going to contact us on, on tax or, or in that way, this is January the 10th at 7.07 right now. So if you're listening to this in archives, like so many people do, thanks, then don't because operators are not standing by at that time. They are now, but not then. So. Be sure you keep it within the parameters of the program if you really want to want to talk to us. So, it, we, you know, it's not like we get a whole lot of phone calls or anything anyway. I mean, I think over the over the four hundred, how many four hundred, how many shows? Uh, I just had it. It was um, four hundred and twenty nine, twenty nine or something. Yeah, 
some runners. 400, out of the 429 shows, I think maybe we've gotten eight people called in during the show. So it's yeah. not like it's a, you know, except for the ones that, you know, we interview and stuff like that. But, I mean, actual right. people out there, I think it may be eight. So it's not like it's a big deal. If you want to get in touch with us, if you want me to cover a topic or something, then go on to the website and just leave a message for me. Say, you know, right. could you talk about, and I'll research it and let you know. Mm-hmm. And you can't look up ttb.gov. You can't go to that right now. Ttb.gov is shut down because of the uh, government shutdown. I was. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, today doing some uh, research on some of the stuff that I was uh, going to talk about tonight. Uh, the uh, organic, biodynamic, and things like that. And ttb.gov has a a section on there of uh, their definition of what some of this stuff is. And so I was going to go and check and say, this is what the ttb.gov has to say about this or that or this or that. And when you punch on that, it the, well, the screen pops up. I've got it right here. I'll tell you what it says. It says in big red letters in a red line box, Appropriations lapse notice cessation of TTB operations with limit, limited access to www.ttb.gov, which is a whole bunch of big fancy words saying we're closed. And uh, then it goes on and explains, uh, due to the lapse in government funding, only websites supporting accepted functions will be updated unless otherwise funded. Uh, TTB.gov will not be available in a shutdown period, and uh, this will also uh, mean that you cannot access uh, permits or formulas or colas or any of that stuff during shutdown period. And uh, it says TTB will suspend all non-accepted TTB operations, and no personnel will be available to respond to any phone calls or emails or any other uh, facsimiles or other communications. So basically, go home until it's over. And that's uh, so we're, I, I kind of follow up on anything on ttb.gov. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I was saying this also affects, I mean, it's, it affects me because I can't do anything, but anybody out there trying to get approval on their labels, so they can start doing labels or cans or whatever. Can't be done. Any approvals for AVAs or any approvals for any government thing, it's stopped until they get approvals on it. So, But, you know, it's not going to be forever, so it's no big deal. It just stops me tonight from checking on the information I was hoping to check on. But, you I know, also, I've I also heard the uh, FDA now uh they have uh well severely cut back i guess as far as domestic they're they're pretty much stopped inspecting uh, domestic food um oh really yeah they, that was uh, i think uh was it nbc or somebody reported it yesterday but uh uh foreign food ex- inspections are continuing uh as normal but uh the fda has uh, stopped inspecting domestic food production facilities which uh they say could mean threats to public to the public or going undetected 
And uh, they're talking about uh, salmonella in breakfast cereal, E. coli in romaine lettuce, or listeria in ice cream. Uh, but companies can still make their own food checks, um, and uh, the FDA is uh, still announcing recalls. But uh, there's that's part of the uh, shutdown. So uh, here we go. <laughs> There we go. I hadn't heard wow. that part. That, uh, yep. You know, the thing is with companies, and I, I just, you know, I, I don't think, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to eat anything anymore until it's, mm-hmm. until it's back because all it would take is for a company to have one death from their food, and it would oh, pretty yeah. much destroy the company. So yep. you would think that they would do uh, above and beyond when it comes to inspecting their own stuff and monitoring their own stuff because right. – if anything happens, can you imagine the repercussions from something like that? Oh. And uh, so, Not good. but uh, yeah, it's scary. You you mentioned that, and I I'm trying to find it here. I had it had it laying here somewhere, and I'm trying to find where the little article is. I knew I had it, but well, let me stall talk for a minute here until oh. I run across it. <laughs> Uh, Stall talk. Uh, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, There's something else I want to cover too. Uh, uh, you can't use our name. It's uh, rules on the use of names and labels are changing, and so I wanted to talk about that sometime. Not today, probably, because I'm going to cover this other stuff. But where is that? Well, I don't know. It's not here. But uh, fake meat. Remember, we, I've talked about fake meat before. Uh, the new thing where they can take the uh, uh, CRISPR, the uh, cells, and make meat from it. They can make beef. They can make lamb. They can make pork. They can make chicken. All this from just basic cells and make meat. And it was, it's been a big controversy in who's going to regulate this and who's going to control this. And the article I saw, and I thought I had it here, but I don't, said that it's going to be a joint venture between the FDA and the, uh, let's see, Food and Drug Regulations and one other group. Uh, who was it? FDA and somebody else. But, uh, it's going to be a joint thing. One of them covers it up to when it becomes meat, and the other one takes over from when it becomes meat and being sold and all that. So it's going to be, you know, uh, what was it? FDA and what was the other one? I can't think of it right now. But Is it uh, USDA or no? USDA, right. Thank you. Yes, USDA okay. and FDA. It's going to be a joint venture between those two. Mm. And... Uh, your short-term memory is my long-term that's falling apart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, those two are going uh, on this fake meat that you, that you have out there. And if you haven't heard about this fake meat, then you know it is just it's CRISPR. Uh, the uh, it's like uh, almost DNA, but it's not GMO. It's it really isn't GMO, but it almost is. Um, you know, I may have to talk about that some other time in the future too. But the uh, grapevines doing some CRISPR on those too. So, but uh, FDA and USDA. 
So that's going to be divided up there. I just saw something on that one. So to continue on here, the uh, food, today's the 10th. What is today? Today is National Bittersweet Chocolate Day. So grab yourself a bottle of red wine and get yourself some bittersweet chocolate and have your dinner. There you go. And those of you listening in archives, you, you missed it. Actually, what was it last uh, last week? Uh, last Friday. Last Friday was National Spaghetti Day, and I actually had spaghetti and wine on Friday. I thought that was very good of me. Speaking of wine, you know, I'm jumping around all over the place. Speaking of wine, I was in Walmart and we were picking up stuff, uh, just different things here and there we needed in different odds and ends and all that. Walked by this big old shelf of wine, looked up, and here it said Oak Leaf Vineyards. 200 plus medals from Oak Leaf Vineyards. Award winning since 2008. This was the Oak Leaf Vineyard Cabernet Sauvignon. And I looked at it and I thought this is the Walmart wine this is the one that we are sharing about this is one that I talked about $2.98 Oak Leaf on the back it says Oak Leaf Vineyard Cabernet Sauvignon American which you know there's your there's your AVA there American Viticulture is American the description this medium bodied smooth Cabernet Sauvignon has vibrant notes of blackberry fruit, a hint of toasty oak, and a lingering finish paired with ribeye roast. Okay. Uh, com, And then it gives a government warning and all that on it. I wonder if we have to listen to the government warning since it's shut down. But it's from Livermore and uh, Ripton. California Ripon, I don't know. But it's uh two ninety eight and it tastes like a two ninety eight bottle of wine. Two buck chuck. It uh, light, very, very light. You can pick up the dark fruit, the blackberry and the aroma. It was very good about that. The aroma did throw out this this blackberry plummy uh, aroma. And I thought, oh, this is going to be exciting for two ninety eight. This could be, this could be a good evening wine every once in a while here. And then I sipped it, and I sipped it a second time and a third time, and I tasted acid, and I tasted more acid, and a little bit, a little bit of red wine flavor, not Cabernet, but red wine flavor. And then that was it. There was no aftertaste. There was nothing else. I was just, I, if you can just live with the aroma and forget everything else, it's pretty nice. But overall, it was extremely disappointing. And so, you know, my advice, stay away from it. Save your 298 until you get, you know, skip three bottles of the 298 and get yourself a $9 bottle of wine. I'm sure it's going to be leaps and bounds in front of this. I don't know who does 
what vineyards it's from and all that. It does say Livermore. Livermore's got some good wineries in it, Concanon and uh, Winty being the two big ones that's been there forever. It might be from those. I don't know. Uh, I haven't. But I'm not I'm not aware of Oakleaf Vineyards. And it doesn't say Oakleaf Vineyards and Winery. It just says Oakleaf Vineyards on the label. So that is my report tonight on wine. Our, our, our Walmart Cabernet Sauvignon. And then just this regular, you know, vented and bottled by Oakleaf Vineyards. Livermore and what I can't read that. Ripon, R I P O N looks like Oh, so my vote. Yeah. But you can give it a try yourself to see. My my advice would be not to waste the money. Okay. Now today bitter sweet chocolate day. Tomorrow National Hot Toddy Day and National Milk Day. I had a friend of mine years ago who liked to mix wine and milk. I'm serious. You know, my engineer back there just got through. I can feel her shiver from, from here. It's not the cold weather. It's just what I said. It, yeah, he did. He liked to mix wine and milk. He would he would take whole milk, you know, the, the creamier whole milk, and he mixed red wine with it. And not a lot. It wasn't half and half or anything like that. But he said, it's great. He said, he just, he loved milk and he loved the red wine. And he used to mix wine and milk. And that was that was his go-to drink. I, I just, I never tried it. I honestly never tried it. He says, either try it, you like it. I just, I just couldn't do it. I, no, I could not do it. But well, after having this Oakley, maybe couldn't have been much worse than that. But National Milk Day tomorrow. Saturday, it's a busy day here. This is National Glazed Donut Day. National Marzipan Day. What's marzipan? Do you know, engineer? It's made from almond paste. Little almond tasting candy. Almond candy, okay. National Curried Chicken Day is tomorrow also. And then as a little extra note while you're drinking your wine and eating your donuts and curry chicken and mozzarella pan, it's Kiss a Ginger Day or Kiss a Redhead Day. Uh, all right, cool. Sunday, Winter Fancy Food Day. This begins and continues through the 15th, so it's a three-day thing. So... Any winter fancy food you can come up with, I can think of a lot. Sunday's also National Gluten-Free Day. I always like to say I spent four years in the service and a year in Vietnam so that all gluten can be free. And then we have National Peach Melba Day coming up on Sunday. Why, January's got some weird things for the month. 14th, Orthodox New Year, which you can, whether you're Orthodox or not, can always celebrate another New Year. It's always fun. That's one good thing about January. You can celebrate a lot of different New Years coming in through there. And Monday is also National Hot Pastrami Sandwich Day. 
I like a good hot pastrami sandwich. Those is that that and some good Cabernet or Zimmendahl, even Barbera. I like Barbera. That would be good. Tuesday, the 15th, National Fresh Squeeze Juice Day. It doesn't have to be orange, any fresh squeeze juice. And National Strawberry Ice Cream Day. Wednesday, the 16th, Hot and Spicy Food Day. Get yourself some Gewürztraminer, Moscato, uh, hot and spicy foods, Indian food, Mexican food, Central American food, uh, Southeast Asian food, any of those uh, tend to be hot and spicy. And a Gerushtaminer or a Muscato or something along that line should be fun combos. Also, Wednesday the 16th, National Fig Newton Day. That was one of my dad's favorite cookies was a Fig Newton. We always had a Fig Newtons in the house. Uh, now they've got Fig Newtons in so many different flavors and colors. It's not just the, the Fig Center, but they've got all sorts of flavors in them now and all that. Lost the original Fig Newton. And then next Thursday, the 17th, which we will be back then, is National Hot Buttered Rum Day, which for those of you up in the north you might have a hot buttered rum to warm your innards but that's what's coming up this next this next week we got oh engineer just brought me a wine because i don't have one here we'd finished off the oak leaf uh actually i had one glass of so engineer finished off for us this is two oceans shiraz it is south african it is a wine of origin, Western Cape of South Africa. The back of it says, Siraz with a Z. I guess they're close to Australia, so they use the Z. Along the southern coast of Africa, two mighty oceans meet, the warm Indian Ocean and the cold Atlantic Ocean, to create a unique climate across the Western Cape. The cool breezes slow the ripening of the grapes and intensify the pure fruit flavors of our wine. The style, medium body with rich and velvety ripe berry fruit flavors. Pair it with roast pork, stews, pizza, and pasta. And uh, www.com. Two TWOceansWines.com. Oceans with an S. Two OceansWines.com. So uh, that's what I am going to be sipping every once in a while during the show tonight. In fact, I'm going to take a sip right now. Oh, that is nice. That is nice. I don't think we tasted this, did we? We just picked this up, you know. Uh, you know, we just picked this up when to get a something from South Africa and saw this. I don't recall the price on this even. Uh, product of South Africa, I think it's like 13% ABV. And let me check and see. 13.5. So, 13.5 ABV. Uh, nice. Enough tannins in it to make it dry, coming out with the nice flavors. It's not 
I'm not picking up any any sweetness in it. It's got some nice fruity flavors, a little dark fruit, plum, pear. Not pear, plum, uh, apricot, blackberry, and the uh, the taste is uh, along the same line. I'm picking up a lot of plumminess in the taste, and it's got some uh, nice aftertaste. It lingers quite well. Again, uh, nice tannins in it. I, I like that tannins that they brought out in this. So, Two Oceans uh, South African wine, uh, Shiraz 2014. All right. Now that I've that we've talked and I've talked for a long time here. Let's get into what we were going to talk about tonight. Am I coming through okay still, Mike? Yep, not a problem. You paused there and I started to panic. Yeah, you know how you get that old old catch. Yeah. The reason I'm asking is Skype wasn't working for me tonight. I called in on the landline and that's, that's why I'm just curious a little bit. So, good. Like if you check and see our episode guide before, it says wine labels, organic, biodynamic, sulfite-free, vegan, all sorts of stuff. Is uh, We've talked in the past about each of those, but let's revisit those a little bit tonight and what they each are and what they each mean and what they all do. Organic. That's always a fun one. A lot of people are very into organic. Organic, broadly speaking, organic wine is wine produced from grapes that have been growing organically. Okay, you're not supposed to describe something by using the word, but often without the use of pesticides or other synthetic materials and where the winemaking methods employed adhere to the rules and regulations of an organic certifying body. Precise definitions vary from market to market. Now, this is what the article says. The article is out of Beverage Daily. But, uh, it's, uh, you know, market's market. But <sighs> organic wine is wine made from grapes grown in accordance with principles of organic farming, which typically exclude the use of artificial chemicals, fertilizers, pesticides, fungicides, and herbicides. There are certain ones that are allowed, though. Okay, it depends on where you're getting certification, but there are certain ones that are allowed in the organic category. The consumption of organic wine grew at a rate of 3.7% over the last year. It's outpacing the growth of consumption of non-organic wine, which grew by only 2% during the same period. Now, when you're speaking of percentages, you're speaking of a small amounts here, but which encompasses thousands of gallons, so it's, but still organic grew more. There are an estimated 1,500 to 2,000 organic wine producers globally. With more than 885 of these organic domains in France alone. Okay, 885. So it's a half to 
uh, over a half to uh, over a third of them in France alone. The legal definition varies by country to country. Now, the big organic certifier is in Gainesville, and I, years ago I talked about what steps it needs to take and who it was and all that. So if you want a lot more detail, you can check on past episode. Uh, just look through the headlines of the episode on our on our webpage. I think you can find it through that, uh, the way Mike has it set up. The primary difference in the way that organic wine is defined relates to the use or non-use of preservatives during the wine-making process. Now, it's not organic wine. It's not how it's grown, although that has a lot to do with it. Organically sustained wine. In the U.S., strict rules on the organic wine-making process at all stages, including harvesting. Types of yeast that can be used during the fermenting, as well as storage conditions. All this is regulated by the organic wines. These rules are applied to all imported and domestic wine that acquired USDA certification. Now, in the United States, the total sulfite level must be less than 20% per million. 20 parts per million, not percent parts per million to receive organic certification. And the United, uh, United Kingdom, for example, uh, is based upon the fact that the grapes are grown organically, and that's what it takes. Boom, you're organic. Now, organic certification of wine is a, a pretty complex step, and I, I could say we've talked about this before. Uh, different nations have different criteria and certifications. In the United States, the National Organic Program is ran by the United States Department of Agriculture and it sets the standards for organic foods, including organic wines. Although to be certified as organic wine, you apply to the place in Gainesville, I don't know the name of it right now, but apply to the place in Gainesville and they certify you organic. You have to be organic like, I don't know, three or five years in a row to actually say, okay, I am organic, and they go, yeah, you are. And so that's a pretty tough standard to live by. In the United Kingdom, for example, though, organic wine is defined as such wine made from organic grapes. So that's all it takes there. So it's, it's a pretty simple criteria for organic wine out of the United Kingdom. Uh, some wineries that are technical or organic choose not to be certified for various reasons. It's tough if you don't. I remember I was out in California a few years ago uh, visiting some vineyards, and I this one big, big grower out there, I asked the guy in charge of it all, I said, are you organic? And he says, at the first of the year, when I get bud break, I'm organic. Every vineyard I have is organic. Once they start being attacked by any bug and I spray it, it quits being organic. If I can get through a whole year without being attacked by any type of bugs or anything, then I'm organic for the year. I said, what difference does it make? And he says, to me, none. He said, it's just that people are always asking about organic. So it just depends on what you want. Uh, organic wines, 
I don't know if they taste better. Some people swear that they do, but that is organic. Natural wine. Natural wine, according to my article, I said, farmed organically and made without adding or removing anything in the cellar or use of processing aids, heavy manipulation, etc. It creates a, quote, living wine. Now, natural wine. Natural winemaking is a style loosely defined as using native yeast in the fermentation process and minimal or no salt dioxide in the winemaking process. Every time I see natural wine, I always question why you would put a vintage date on it. Because without sulfite dioxide, it's going to age extremely fast. You're going to need that as a preservative in that wine. So if you see a natural wine, a bottle labeled natural wine, and it's dated three four years ago, by all rights, it should be bad. Because without the sulfur dioxide, which preserves it in the bottle, it's going. it, it could very easily go bad. So, it may also mean unfined or unfiltered as well. Fining mean, you know, the uh, getting it down. Unfiltered is, uh, you know, what unfiltered means, unfined is just a step closer, just finding it down, pulling out all the small stuff out of it. Natural winemaking is not government, uh, is not governed by laws in the United States and has no inspection or verification unless it is a bio, biodynamic wine. So natural wine in itself is not regulated. The estimates are that less than 10% of the organically grown wine in the United States is made in a natural winemaking style. And most of that is certified as biodynamic. If they're going to go to the go so far as to make it in a natural style and organic wine, they take it a step further to biodynamic wine. Talk about that in a second. Natural winemakers may use organic or biodynamic grapes in their wines. Using native yeast and relying on minimal manipulation often means that the wines have varying profiles from year to year. Obviously, you're not blending, you're not doing anything, you're not balancing out. It's going to be different. Different vintages vary more than conventional wines because of the non interventionalist approach. No manipulations, no anything, so it's going to vary a lot. And this is a key part of the natural wine aesthetics, which emphasizes the least amount of intervention. So if you find yourself a vineyard that does natural wine, and it continues to do natural wine, and you like it and you love it, it's going to change year after year. A lot more so than just a different vintage. A different vintage on a wine will vary from winery to winery year after year simply because of how the grapes got to that point. But natural, it, you can pretty much count on it, and probably quite a bit. Vintage, for those of you who are not aware, vintage is the year the grapes were picked. I used to always ask that question at the winery whenever I was doing big tastings. I'd say, 
what does a vintage mean? What does a date on the bottle mean? And I was surprised how many people did not know that that was a vintage date, that that was the year the grapes were picked. Not bottled, not put in the barrels, actually picked. And so uh, remember that whenever you see a date on the bottle, the year the grapes were picked. Natural wine movement has grown in popularity. And uh, the, uh, let's see, this article says against the park, Parkerization of wine, and I can only guess what that might be. Let me, it gives me a chance to check and see. Yeah, Robert Parker, I thought so. Uh, a wine critic, and he came up with a 100 point scoring system. So, again, the parkerization of wine, and so that's what they're referring to on that. But, yeah, Robert Parker, I think Robert Parker's dead, is he? Let's see, wine critic, he's no, I guess he's still alive. Born in 47, he's 71, so he's still alive. Good. Um, not good that I know him or anything, it's just good. The uh, small number of critics, uh, palates, and the point system have came to be defined the market of value of wines. And so the natural wine tends to manipulate the taste of their wines to try to increase intensities and are the effects of not natural wine the effects on producers tend to manipulate the taste of wines, bring out the oak or bringing out the fruitiness and stuff like that to impress the critics. And, uh, here, let me get one more sip. And, uh, I, Engineer came in and grabbed my my bottle. She won't let me have it here by myself. Um, the uh, the critics get out there and start scoring wines and start talking about it. A score, a good score, is going to make a wine worth more. It's going to cause the wine to be more expensive. It's been proven over the years. That's why people look for higher scores from these wine critics. And that's why if they sometimes form their own groups and score their own wines higher than what they should be, because it does bring more money and more recognition. Natural wines will vary. Uh, the winemakers manipulate the wines to bring out, like I say, more fruit and oak and all that, but natural wines don't do that. They don't, they don't, bring out anything particular the natural movement is just wine as it is again though remember there are no regulations no rules no anything on natural wines that's just the uh you, you they are what they are and that's that's all there is to it um let's see something else on natural wine. These, the following criteria, just the basic criteria of natural wines on this one particular list I found here, says organically or biodynamically grown grapes with or without certification. So that's sort of a scary thing. Oh, these are grown organically. Approve it. Well, no, I just did it. I, they're not certified or anything. 
dry farmed, yield, um, <laughs> that's combining two words, low and yielding, low yielding vineyards. If you dry farm, you don't get the juiciness in the grapes. It doesn't pick up all that moisture and feed it into the grapes, get you big fruity grapes. So that's another thing about criteria. Hand-picked, no added sugars, or no cultivated or cultured yeast, and no foreign bacteria in the tanks. No adjustments for acidity. No additives for color, mouthfeel, minerality, etc. These are all criteria for natural wines. No external flavor additives, including those derived from new oak barrels, staves, chips, or even liquid extract. Minimal or no fining or filtration. No heavy manipulations such as macro-oxygenation, reverse osmosis, spinning cone, any of that stuff. And minimal or no added sulfites or uh, sulfite-style chemicals. So that is your criteria for natural. Again, that is basic criteria, and this is what wine producers and organizations are saying, but there is no government regulation on natural wines. I always like to point that out because you start getting government regulations and laying it out. That's what I was hoping when I was looking at natural. That's what I was hoping to find something on uh, TTB. But, alas, there's no TB, TTB. All right, so that's that's natural wines. Sustainably produced wine. This this was this is fun too. It's generally considered to be produced in an environmentally free manner, such as at a carbon neutral winery or water and energy efficiency. Or using grapes which have been grown with minimal chemical input and an effort to maintain the quality of the land. But there is no consistent definition of sustainably produced wine. Some farmers take additional steps beyond standard organic winemaking, and they apply what they call the sustainable farming practices. Now, quickly, sustainable farming practices have been around for, like, ever. It's it's just something that's uh, you can look back in ancient times, and they've done it sometimes because they wanted to, sometimes because they had to. But sustainable practices, there's quite a bit that talks about sustainable farming practices, but it is basically uh, ways uh, of understanding an ecosystem in relation to what you're growing. Um, a, a relationship between organisms and their environment. A lot like biodynamic. Sustainable agriculture is a lot like biodynamic, but sustainable agriculture goes to everything, not just grapes. Sustainable wines, examples include the use of composting, the cultivation of plants that attract insects that are beneficial to the health of the vines. Sustainable practices in the vineyards can also extend to actions that have basically nothing to do with the protection of grapes, uh, 
but it uh, helps prevent animals from eating the grapes. It's uh, wildlife and stuff. Uh, it allows weeds and wildflowers to grow. Excuse me, weeds and wildflowers to grow between the vines. Sustainable farmers may use biodiesel tractors in the vineyard to reduce emissions among the vines, or plow with horses. And sustainable winemaking is a systems perspective of integration of the natural and human resources involving environmental health, economic profitability, and social and economic equity. And it requires small, realistic, and measurable steps as defined in the Code of Sustainable Wine Growing Practices Workbook. And this was published by the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance, or CSWA. So, sustainable. It's, again, it's not really, not something that's really regulated by the environment. Uh, uh, I'm not, not really regulated by uh, government or TTB or anybody. It's just something that, uh, along the lines of biodynamic, that style. All right. Then, uh, see, vegan. And let me get rid of this. And let me get rid of this. Uh, vegan, vegan wine. All right. Now this is this is fun. I when I was looking at vegan wine, I saw all sorts of different things. I was reading a whole bunch of stuff about it. But what is vegan wine? Okay. Uh, Wine, you say? Well, it's vegan. What what animal parts are being used in wine? What what are you doing with anything animal in wine? Well, basically, you're not. There's not much in wine that will use an animal part. But the majority of people are unaware that wine, although made from grapes, may have been made using animal-derived products, and that's the key to it. During the winemaking, the liquid is filtered through substances called fining agents. Again, that's the next step, you know, fine a wine, get the little things out of it. This process is used to remove protein, yeast, cloudiness, all flavors and colorings, and other organic particles that may be floating in it. And it's used quite often. You can also filter, all right? Excuse me. The fining agent's great, but you can also filter. I didn't use much fining. I did filtering. I filtered my wines, and so therefore the filter, most of the time, took care of what I wanted to take care of. Went through a lot of filters at times because the wines were full of stuff, but it, I didn't use it. But popular animal-derived fining agents are used in the production of wine, which include but not limited to blood and bone marrow. Casein, which is milk protein. Uh, Chitin, which is fiber from crustacean shells. Egg albumin, which is derived from egg whites. Fish oil. Gelatin, which is protein from boiling animal parts. And isinglass, 
which is gelatin from fish bladder membranes. Obviously, all these things come from living beings, living animals. Therefore, if you're vegan, that would disqualify the wine. There are several common finding agents that are animal-friendly, though, and that can be used to make vegan wine. Carbon, bentonite clay, limestone, coil and clay, plant casein, uh, silica gel, and vegetable plaques. These are all suitable alternatives to your animal products that you can use. Now, how do you know? Well, you don't. That's as simple as that. You don't know because it doesn't say that it is vegan or not. I suppose if somebody wants to promote themselves as vegan, they can do that if they are. They won't be called out on it because it's too easy to check. But uh, a, a quick list of a few wine, Cooper's Hawk Vineyards, uh, Fitzpatrick Winery, Frey, F-R-E-Y Winery. Uh, here's one that pretty much listed all for you, Organic Biodynamic Vegan Wine. Uh, let me click on that and see if that's a... Well, it doesn't say. I clicked on it, and it says it's not available. So maybe this maybe organic biodynamic vegan wine is no longer in existence. Uh, Smithfield Wine, uh, the Vegan Vine Wines, uh, Wrights Wines, these are all different ones that are vegan. Now, if you really want to know, if you're really interested in knowing if a wine is vegan or not, go to Barnivore, B-A-R-N-I-V-O-R-E, Barnivore.com. That list, your well, actually, they build themselves as your vegan beer, wine, and liquor guide. And it has beer, wine, liquor, and ask a company and mobile apps and contact and frequently asked questions for just about, well, just about every every type of alcoholic beverage you want. Uh, again, beer, wine, liquor. I was looking through this list. They have wineries listed by numbers 0 through 9. You can click on that. And... Uh, it lists them alphabetically, then it goes from A through F, G through L, M through R, S through T, and U through Z. Now, just the A through F category alone has 5,259 different wineries listed. And it tells you with a red box or a green box if it is vegan or vegan friendly or not vegan friendly. So if you're really into it, you can check that out and check and see if the wine you're drinking today is vegan. I looked up Oakleaf Vineyard, the one I was telling you about from Walmart, and they are not vegan-friendly. That surprised me. I really expected Walmart to have a wine that was vegan-friendly. So that did surprise me on that. But you can go to that website and find out well, not just wines, but alcohol, beer, uh, 
They have the whole listing for liquor, all that stuff. Just the wine section alone is that thousands and thousands and thousands of listings. So that's, uh, again, Barnivore, B-A-R-N-I-V-O-R-E, Barnivore.com. And with Barnivore.com slash wine, or just Barnivore.com, will take you to the main site. And, let's see, uh, but vegan is just no animal parts in it. It's as simple as that. And if you're really into it that much, then, you know, check out the list and find out for yourself if if you want to go with uh, vegan or not. All right, fair trade. Fair trade wine. These are products certified by Fair Trade International an organization that promotes products that meet social, economic, and environmental standards set by the foundation, the foundation being Fair Trade International, including protection of workers' rights and environment. Big movement on Fair Trade. It's gotten even bigger. The uh, I think the main thing that we hear about on Fair Trade is coffee. They've talked a lot about Fair Trade coffee. You'll see that at different places if it's fair trade coffee or not because of all the conditions and everything else they talk about. But you also have fair trade wine. Now, fair trade wine usually is organic. It's not always, though. There's an article here I found it uh it's this is i don't know by it's a blog is what it is by uh, uh a lady by the name of oh, I hate it when it skips through things so fast I can't read it uh, well, it doesn't show at that end of it maybe it shows at the top end of it uh, a lady by the name of diana d uh Cisco or C I C C O uh Cisco uh, talking about fair trade. This is probably the best one. It says, What is fair trade? And she says, quote, You've likely seen or even consumed products such as coffee, tea, sugar, cocoa, and rice labeled as fair trade certified. Although fair trade wines have been around for years in Europe, for the first time in America, fair trade certified wines are available. A fair trade label means that the product you're purchasing is guaranteed to have been produced following strict social, environmental, and economic standards. This worldwide movement was created to help developing countries get a fair price for their exported goods as well as promote sustainability and equal social rights. So that's a fair trade. It really, it's, doesn't mean that the quality is going to be any better. It means that it's it's been developed by countries that do the best they can. And that's really what I, reading all the stuff I did, fair trade is the movement of, well, like I say, it's uh, socially, environmental, and economic standards. And the environmental standards is, uh, organic style, but doesn't have to be organic. Uh, 
Most fair trade wines come from Chile, Argentina, and South Africa. Although the one I'm having tonight said nothing on it about fair trade. So I don't know if it has to be labeled. There are only three fair trade certified producing wine countries. And that is Chile, Argentina, and South Africa. Uh, Etica, E-T-I-C-A, Etica Wine works closely with all three of these countries to maintain the fair trade practice. And they offer a variety of reds and whites in restaurants and stores based on fair trade. Stellar Organics, it's a wine produced out of South Africa, also is a fair trade and organic winery. And there are others uh, sourced from Argentina, Chile, and South Africa. (coughs) Excuse me. Organic Wine Trade Company. And I believe it lists a lot of the companies. Let me see. Well, no, it doesn't. That Organic wineries. Yeah, it, you go to that and you got to click on other things and search and all that. But Organic Wine Trade Company also uh, talks about fair trade. But if you want a fair trade wine, if you're into that, then check out... Uh, wines, particularly from Chile, Argentina, and South Africa. Those are only three fair trade certified producing wine countries in the world right now, none others. And so it's and it's it's a good movement. I mean, it's good for coffee. They raise the standards for coffee and stuff, and they've raised the standard for growers on that. And I suppose it is good for wine too. I I don't know. I, I'm just I'm. Not here to judge them. I'm here just to tell you what they are tonight. All right. Sulfite-free wines. Sulfite-free wine. The legal definition for sulfite-free wine under both European Union and USA is a wine containing no more than 10 parts per million total sulfites and five parts per million free sulfites. Now, there are two different things, okay? Total sulfites and free sulfites. You can measure both. Wine with an excess of 10 parts per million must state it contains sulfites on the label. Now, be careful. I've talked about it before, the term no sulfites added. That doesn't mean that it doesn't contain a lot of sulfites. It just means that they didn't add any more. And then also, no sulfites detected. That's really the catchy one. They can have sulfites and levels that they're not detecting because of their measuring system, and yet they are there. All wines contain some level of sulfites, as sulfur is a natural byproduct from the fermentation process. So it's not a you know it's not going to hurt you. Sulfites in a wine aren't going to hurt you. They're not going to cause any problems. And the small amounts that's in there is not going to cause allergic reactions. Most wines, well, in the United States, you're required to keep it below 350 parts per million. Most wines are actually below 150, even not even below 100. Most wineries don't bring it up too high. It's just a preservative, and that's what it's used for. And then preservative-free wine, again, is just referring to no sulfites added. Now, we didn't cover a couple of things here. One of them was environmentally friendly wines. Environmentally 
friendly. Now, this is another one of those that's always fun to look at. Environmentally friendly wines. They're saying there are four steps to help you drink green. And this is usually what they're referring to now. Environmentally friendly, no definition or certification is available for environmentally friendly, but it centers around the concept of green products. Uh, I found this. It's, uh, it's why by a wine blogger that talked about it and... This was came out in the middle of the summer, but save the earth. It's the only planet we uh, only planet with wine. Step one: know your winemaker. The first step in drinking green is to actually know where it's coming from. Best to do small family-run wineries than great big ones. Is what it's saying here. Most of the time, your small wineries are a little bit more green than your big ones. Second step: drink organic. It's a trendy term, obviously, but it really it is more environmentally friendly, sustainable, sulfite-free than anything. Organic wines, if they taste better, I don't know. I'm still at that debate, but, you know, that's something there. Step three, packaging. Packaging of wine has the biggest environmental impact. And it isn't a simple way to choose what to do. Uh, cork versus screw cap, the environmental analysts see the difference. Uh, it's, it's going to be a, a problem either way. It's estimated that 400 million bottles of wine go to waste each year because of bad corks due to the processing of wood. To me, that seems like an awful, awful big number. Screw caps can ensure that the wine won't go bad, but the downside is that it's not a renewable material and the manufacturing is more harmful. So, um, you know, either way, screw cap or cork, it's both of them environmentally impacting. And the main thing about... uh, Corks, they are a renewable source. So it's not like you use it up once and the trees are dead or anything. It's renewable. So you can always justify the corks that way as opposed to screw cap, which probably stays alive in the environment for, you know, half-life of a 1,000 years or whatever. I don't know. And then step four, recycle. And that's really the key to a lot of it, Recycle. I do. I recycle. I used to recycle all the time at the winery. I recycle at home and all that. Recycle. The uh, around 400,000 wine bottles are thrown into Hong Kong landfill every day. That seems awful high to me. Again, every day 400,000 bottles in the Hong Kong landfill. Yeah, that is pretty shocking. What he says. That's 146 million bottles a year, and that's just wine bottles. He says. I don't know where he got his numbers on that. I'm sure if uh, you know, Snoops or somebody got a hold of that number, they'd tear it all apart. It seems extremely high to me. And uh, I don't know how I would check on that. I don't know any you know, procedures. If one of you out there do, let me know. I'll do a follow-up and try to check on it. But 146 million bottles a year, 400,000 bottles Thrown in the Hong Kong landfills every day. Those Hong Kong people are drinking a hell of a lot of wine. 
And then biodynamic. I say that to last because that's the one that we've talked about before, and that's the one that's always fun, and that's the one that always catches people. Biodynamic. Biodynamic is an extended version of organic, which was developed by Rudolf Steiner in the 1920s, and it is stimulating the health of the vineyard through homeopathic means so that you avoid disease. It's organic principles apply, but then you have additional practices such as following the lunar schedule of uh, uh, the calendar, the moons, the faces of the moons. You're letting animals clean in there. You don't mow. You plant uh, cow feces in a horn and you bury it in the ground for a certain period of days during the growth and different things like this. I did a whole show on organic. In fact, we talked to an organic winery in California uh, a few years back. You can check that out. But organic is that next step further. Organic is the, in my opinion, the ultimate when you want something that is very friendly to the earth that basically covers all of these others that I've been telling you about, except obviously for fair trade, but it covers all these others that I've been telling you about, biodynamic will do that. I have never had a biodynamic wine. I, I've looked for them periodically. I guess it's it's a mission to try to find one. I've never had one. Uh, I would love to try one. But then again, you're trying it based on the winemaker's perception of how he's putting that wine together. So, you know, it's don't know on that, but biodynamic is the ultimate. It's one that, uh, again, a step further than the organic and the ones we've talked to that do do biodynamic, that uh, California, he said it's it's work, but it's well worth it because it comes out with such a great product on wine. And there we go. That sums up for any further information, I pretty much talked about a lot of this stuff on previous episodes, so if you want more detail on it, you can always check back on archives, and uh, it'll, it can fill you in on some of this stuff. Some of these things I haven't. I don't think I've talked about fair trade before. Uh, but nope. I don't remember that one. Um, I don't either. I, oh. God, there was something else I was looking up when you were talking about uh, Gainesville, and I found uh, where did it go? I found something. Um, nope, I know I wrote it down. Anyway, let's see. Oh, um, quality certification services—they're located up there. Uh, QCS that's, and that's the one. They they certify all kinds of. I mean, there's, they have a long list of. Um, agriculture, um, retail, there's all, all kinds of certifications that they offer there, but that, that was one I found. And the other one was the uh, Florida Growers. Um, it was Florida Growers something. Well, you, you know what that one is. <laughs> so, yeah. They monitor and stuff, but that one, that first one, the one in Gainesville, that's the one that, you know, they well, do we, actually organic certification for the vineyards. Yeah. Yeah, there was a yeah, whole I think it's national, national certification they do too. So, hmm. 
Um, and that was it. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, sort of nothing else. I looked. Uh, there was something else I looked up, but I don't remember what it was. Um, oh well. Yeah. You. There was so much. So much in here. I, I, I've been typing this whole time, but uh, kind of. Yeah. This is a lot of stuff. I just I jumped around. I covered covered a lot of stuff there. In fact, almost every one of those I have dedicated a whole show to. And yeah. so, you know, this is this is review for those out there who have have forgotten or, you know, haven't heard the previous shows and all that, uh, yeah. done whole shows to some of these topics there. And again, not not too natural. I didn't do a show on natural. I didn't do a show on uh, environmentally friendly. But, you know, a lot of those I have. And again, mm-hmm. you know, biodynamic. Biodynamic is, is interesting. Uh, there's a lot of biodynamic vineyards in France, an awful lot of them. And, uh, there's, you know, a few in the United States. It's catching on more and more. But that's uh, interesting, an interesting subject there, uh, the biodynamic. And probably some updates yeah. and things that uh, may have been uh, skipped during the dedicated shows. But, uh, yeah, it's always good to, to go back and, and see if anything's changed Previous. or if there's uh, updates and because it's, it's, something's constantly changing somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah, and, and when it comes to these things, they, they're they're constantly you know pointing new things in there and different stuff, and it's just it's amazing, and you know it's I need to uh, check. In fact, I didn't do it because I was going through so many subjects. But I wanted to check and see how many wineries are biodynamic, but there I can't find any new up-to-date numbers. I tried to find it, and most of the numbers were listed that were a couple years old. And uh, so I don't know how many places in the world are certified biodynamic now. So, huh. Uh, yeah, I didn't, didn't look that up. Um, uh, biodynamic. Uh, yeah, 2013, I can find that, but 2000 yeah, doesn't say Most of them are, you know, that one's even older. I, I found a couple that were 2015, but still, uh, that's years yeah. old, four years old now, so. Hmm. Oh, well, we'll get something, so, maybe. Yeah, soon. that was, that was <laughs> odd that they don't have anything more up to date on something like biodynamics. So. Well, you know, the government so, shut I'll down, so I... they stopped keeping tabs on that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Oh, just, there you go yeah. for another week. Oh, good. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll close out the show uh, for this week, and we'll see everybody back on uh, January 17th. That is next Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio or in the archives whenever you want. You can always go to uh, the show page, and um, you can uh, check that out there or on iTunes and um, listen to past shows, do a search, whatever, and, yeah, go that route. So, uh, yeah. For those that I talked about, those are all in our archives. If you want more detail, more information, and those are available too. So that you know, if you're curious about those. Yeah, all the way back to 2009. <laughs> it was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, and we have uh, we didn't 2000 2009. Yeah. Yeah. When was our? Did we do our 10-year show yet, or did we not? No. What am I thinking? I remember last year we were doing this. We thought January yeah. was our two, you know, 
January was our anniversary, and then we started to look at records and all that, and we yeah. found that it was uh, March. Like March, yeah, that's right. Hey, gosh, I got to look that stuff up again. Let's see, I'm on a different text file now. I can't search it all in one file. So. Oh, we can't <laughs> go back. <laughs> yeah, we've got we got a couple months yet before our anniversary, before our ten year anniversary. Okay, so. we'll, we'll uh, come up with something, something special. Yes, we're gonna have. To. We got we got two months to plan and put it into effect here. So. Two months. Yeah, it'll be in March. I'll have it ready by May. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the other M-A-R and not M-A-Y. Yeah. Um, Right, right. All right. Number of shows and all that, you know, know, numbers and everything Mm -hmm. all that. But, yeah, we we thought it was January last year. We were looking at that, and we thought it was January. Then we started to check records and found that it was March that gave us our – I think we did sporadic, sporadic, sporadic shows in January yeah. and February. But March yes. is when we got on and started to do it permanently. So, yeah, you were uh, it was a permanent weekly thing, and as of March, so yeah, that's when it right came in. Very good. Um, that's right. Wow, that's that is coming up ten years. So uh, with that, well, again, next uh, Thursday, thanks again for tuning in. You all have a great week and enjoy um, all the um, fun celebrations that uh, we talked about earlier and <laughs> have, a, yeah, have a good enjoy one. Enjoy wine and be safe yeah. out there. Don't drink and drive. Don't have a good New Year's, drive, uh, yeah. Have a good New Year's Day uh, Monday. <laughs> yes, yes, a new, a new New Year's coming up Monday, so have a good one there. Yeah, yeah, and, good one. Uh, we'll see you all next We'll time. see you all next week. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. All about wine.